so in in uh, in the case of an organization you can have what's called organizational empathy and that means being able to allow for people to listen in as an organization to what's happening on the outside really understand the trends that are happening on them in the market what's happening on the streets and picking those up We can learn today from you that empathy has also a connection to organizations and even to innovation. Because usually people talk about relations and empathy, one people and another person. Right. So what about organizations? How can they innovate? Right. So, so empathy is mostly about relations, but actually in the end of the day, it's the, the real definition of empathy is about thinking what the other person is experiencing, thinking, or, exper or experiencing. And in, as such, it doesn't actually necessitate uh, having a conversation. You can observe somebody and, and try to understand what they're saying. And so in, in, in the case of an organization, you can have what's called organizational empathy. And that means being able to allow for people to listen in as an organization to what's happening on the outside, really understand the trends that are happening on the, in the market, what's happening on the streets, and picking those up. And then allowing for all those in, inputs to come into you. There's nothing worse, I think, than the marketer who says that, you know, I'm the king of the plot. Marketing of the future has to be far more collaborative. So in order to get that innovation bug going, why not have a receptor, a receptacle for inputs coming from all around the organization, a listen in on what people are feeling on the front line. It's amazing how many people sit in their ivory towers and don't go out and listen to people who are actually in contact with the front line. For example, when was the last time that you spent a half a day sitting beside a customer service agent, whether or not they sit within your organization. In other words, you might outsource them, you might have them within. But as a CEO, I would encourage people, especially the CEO and C-suite, to go out and spend a concerted amount of time on a regular basis, understanding what's happening at the customer front. Because there, you're gonna find a whole lot of information and interesting ideas for innovation. And customer service, if there's one area where empathy is regularly, you know, say requested, it's in customer service. The challenge of us in our organizations is we all end up with these P&L concerns and our stressful performance issues that put a buffer between us and our ability to listen and to be in there with the front line. We're like, well, this is what I've got to do to get the performance going. So putting in empathy into the organization essentially means uh, showing the behavior you want to see replicated throughout, doing it within the organization first, and then helping you looking at the empathy that's being exported out towards your external stakeholders. I can resonate a lot with that because myself, I am a CEO, so I, I founded a business which was me consulting uh, and helping entrepreneurs grow their business. But then bit by bit, I... I'm not in fulfillment anymore. I now have growth tasks, as you say, which are growing the business, joint ventures, etc. the strategy, the vision of the whole thing. And now, of course, I do not see many clients anymore every day and every week. So what did we create 
our idea was every Monday we have the so-called coach meeting and I am there for 45 minutes. I just listen to the coaches who do our accelerator programs. So they, they coach, there is print coaches for the entrepreneurs who want to double their revenue in 90 days. And I just listen to the coaches and I say, okay, what's going on out there? What do they need? What do they get? What do they miss? What do they dream? What do they fear? And, and basically it's just listening to what's going on there because of course, as a CEO, I might not want to be involved in fulfillment anymore because that would not respect my, my, my roles and my functions in the company. But of course, I want to be connected to that. I want to be in the loop. Is that one example of how CEOs can at least once a week have the connection to what's going on outside their walls? Yeah, well, I would, I would argue actually every day. Uh, is a necessity. Uh, Ronan Dunn is an enormously interesting, inspirational CEO. He works, he's, he's the head of Verizon Wireless in the United States, and he's on Twitter actively. And a lot of people might say Twitter is a, is a waste of time. I don't have time for these sort of things. Oh, oh, really? You don't have time to listen to your customers? Huh. So, of course, it depends on the business you're in because, you know, let's say you're in uh, wealthy, selling $100 million yachts, you might not have a lot of customers on Twitter. Yet, the idea is to find a way every day to, to, to lean in and listen. And what Ronan does is he spends around about 30 minutes every morning paroling, patrolling on Twitter, not necessarily actively tweeting, but he does. And he says it's just like a, a walk down the a, a supermarket aisle. He gets to hear what's happening all the time. And he does that on a daily basis. That's with regard to the customers. Then it comes to leaning in and, and listening to. I, I wanted to point one other thing out, which is that conversation by itself is, is a wonderfully healthy thing. And as much as we want to be about efficiency and effectiveness, having that time to pause have a really deep conversation, it, it gives you back juices. And I think one of the things I see a lot is that a lot of CEOs are, are stressed, stro you know, stressed out by the lack of time, all the performances, and ought to develop some further self-empathy. Look at themselves and how they can uh, feel themselves. You know, as CEOs, we're, we, tend, we tend to believe we have the bravado, well, we've just got to do it. You know, this is how I was brought up. I'm a, I'm a doer. And if you hide from your emotions, one day those emotions will resurface. So it's a good idea to, to step in and check in on yourself. And one of the great ways to regain energy is to connect with people because that's what we are, social beings, and develop meaningful conversations with people. You might also extract interesting information, but look at it as a conversation. Give before expecting in return. Listen hard. Practice the empathy. And that type of empathy skill. You then can use it better in your meetings, in your, let's say, more classical function as a CEO. You researched business empathy in great depth. What is your definition of business empathy? Well, empathy in business is, uh, is about understanding. And I tend to focus on the notion of cognitive understanding rather than feelings. So, while feelings are very important and emotions are the key vector of everything, I tend to focus on the idea of building up cognitive empathy within an organization. And the idea of cognitive empathy 
is, as opposed to affective or emotional empathy, is about really understanding what, let's say, Simon, you are thinking, feeling, and experiencing. That's really what I'm looking for, just to understand. The, the, the mistake that many people make is that they then think it's about what I do with that. So I understand that you're feeling sad. Here's a tissue to wipe away your tears. Well, I don't want a tissue. You might get us an answer. You need to then lean in and think about what is the next step. So you can use empathy in an organization just to understand better your employees. Do you care about what your employees are experiencing? Do you really care? Or are you more focused on me, my business, my shareholders? You have to be real about that. You have to have some self-awareness about that. So it's about having cognitive understanding of what your employees are feeling, leaning in on that. If you don't have the data, go get it. There's no excuse for not going to ask and understand what's going on within the organization. So business within the organ, sorry, empathy within the business is the first key point. Before you want to start thinking about using empathy to attract and interact and gain more clients, consider how you're really deploying empathy within your organization and I would say within yourself. The next blocker that I observe in my own empathy is I try to fix things. So while I listen, I'm also a consultant, so it's a deformation professionnel. Also. So I, I listen. Yeah. So I listen. And during that I have, oh, yeah, that's what you can do. That's what you can do. That's what you can do. And um, many times, especially with my kids and with my wife, I come too early with a solution. So I, I, I've not even had the whole arc of cognitive and emotional resonance that you described so well, because in my head, it pops up. I get excited. I say, okay, do this. So what can we do? And with that, we, we obstruct empathy, right? So what can we do to not fix things? To, if, if we are like that, if we are a fixer type of person, like type Well, I mean, I person. think that a lot of people in business tend to be that way. You're, you know, you're excited to finish the project. You want to fix the problem that's there. And I would add that it is a very masculine type of attitude. I don't know if you've read, you know, men are from Mars and women from Venus, or you just don't understand women and men in conversation by, which is my favorite book by Dr. Deborah Tannen. And it really speaks to this issue. So it's, it's, it's completely relevant in a, in a home environment. Like you're saying, actually, it's, I would say, cause for so much of the grief that happens at home. Papa, you're not listening to me. Or darling, that's not what I said. And, and the, really, the issue is that we, we want to be helpful. And so we're, that's, that's our values. We're showing we're helpful. But the other person may not be needing help. They might just be needing to be listened to. And, and one of the biggest challenges we have, I say, in the entire society is that we do not feel like we're being heard. And that's true of people in the political spectrum, which is probably one of the reasons why we've got this divisiveness that's happened in the United States, where you've got many groups of people that just do not feel like they're being heard. And in, in a company, it's the same thing, especially people in the front, front line who are, let's say, lower down in the, in the totem pole. Well, the chances of their voice being heard 
oh, I sent in a recommendation and it goes into the black box of recommendations. This is beautiful. Let's, let's explore the other side. So we explored the side, I am not really listening to, my, to the, the person uh, that is with me. On the other side, what about this feeling, I am not seen, I am not being listened to. Uh, what did, you, did your research find out about that? Well, I, I don't have specific research on that, but I do have a, an experience or a set of experiences. So uh, when I was on the executive committee worldwide of L'Oreal, uh, there was the, the big boss, <laughs> big cheese. And uh, sometimes getting through to him was a challenge. Let's say he struggled to listen. He had many things on his plate and all this. And so how do you, I was the youngest person on the committee. So at the time I felt like I didn't have quite the credentials, you know, I was struggling with those type of issues. On top of which I was, if you can imagine this, Simon, the diversity on the, uh, on the committee, the white man, just because I wasn't French, you know? <laughs> and uh, so the, the key point there was to think about lean in on the, with empathy on what he was going through. And so my, my technique was to figure out how I could solve his problem. And so I, what I did is I, I would figure out what are, how has he expressed his issues? Of course, I, I knew what was written and published for the bigger picture, but underneath when you're in this sort of political space where you're trying to, to get attention within a group or you know, your big boss, if you can prove to them that what you're trying to do is to solve their issue, make them the hero, then you're going to have a lot more open ears to when you want to give your submit your feedback. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was just asked because last week we signed a contract with one of the five biggest companies in the world. And now I was asked, how, was, how did you do that, Simon? How is that even possible? And I said, you know, it sounds like it's really hard. It was a simple series of conversations and uh, I was lucky enough to hear what they need to solve. That's it. And from one conversation to the next, I was trying to go that journey with them and then to talk everything else. But first, what do you need to solve? How can I help? What do you need to solve? How can I help? It was a series of these conversations. And um, it, it was simple but effective because it was always focused on that. And of course, every call I prepared exactly as I told you, how, what, what are their needs, their dreams, their ambitions, what they need to solve, how can I be of service? That was a very simple process. But um, in the heat of the day, in the heat of the week, under pressure of lockdown, etc. oh my God, uh, of course, uh, right now, it's hard to be empathic. In the last weeks, I caught myself being very survival-oriented. Uh, we first, we, we, we. Our runway, our revenue, uh, our market shares. So, of course, it was a couple of days. Then we opened up again. And, but also there, one thing for, for us to get open again, to connect again to others was... We did a free listening circle. We called it the mastermind, managing the current situation every Monday evening. Come in, it's free. Whoever wants to talk about the impact on her business, on his business, and how to manage the current situation, we can talk. 
And that was one thing that opened us up again because there were three continents and we were learning from different areas and, and industries and, and, and they were coaching each other. So uh, it was possible for us to reconnect to a bigger thing. The highest calling right now is to be of service. So the best sales is to not sell at all, but instead to serve the people you care about. Selling is telling. So who do you serve? And how do you serve them? The quality of this experience makes the difference. If you want our experts to go over your current sales funnel and really dive into the experience and the needs of your clients at each conversion point and make it a wow experience, then you are in luck because we have an exercise for you. Our 15-minute sales audit and one-on-one -on -one coaching with a world-class sprint coach Fill out a couple of questions about your sales funnel and you will have clarity. In your personalized coaching session, you will get clarity on your number one bottleneck, three ideas on how to accelerate your growth, and a tangible sales map on how to double your conversions. Go to strategysprints.com sales and do our 15-minute free sales audit today.